you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. Now here's this week's message. Let's just take a minute and pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. We thank you for the blood that he shed and for the torture that he endured. He did that all for me and everyone under the sound of my voice and everyone in this world that's not under the sound of my voice. He did that for all of us. We thank you for giving us your word and we thank you for making it alive. Lord, as we enter into today and we're hearing your word and we're breaking your bread, I pray that you would just open our ears. Most important, open our heart, Father. So we'd receive and become more like you. I want to just take a minute. I want everybody just to do something for me. Just say this, say Jesus. Come on, let's do it again. Jesus. Let's do it one more time. Jesus. 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 He is the most important thing. Amen. Amen. He is the most important thing. So we're starting off this sermon series called Unoffendable. And, and man, it's been a, been a learning lesson for me. And at times I thought I wasn't, I was unoffendable, but then I realized that I was kind of offended at different times in my life. So here's what I want to do for you today to help you out. I want to make a disclaimer. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about being unoffendable. That's what we're going to be talking about. But here's what I want to tell you. Just get ready. You're going to be offended. Just get ready. Let's put that disclaimer out there so you already know. But here's the amazing thing about this. If we will handle this correctly in our hearts, then we will become better followers of Jesus Christ. And that's our ultimate goal. Amen? So don't, don't get offended and not do something with it. Let's become undefendable and be more like Jesus. Amen? Years ago, man, I, I'm telling you, we, we are living in an offended society. Years ago, it was mask or no mask. It was vaccine or no vaccine. It was go to open the church, close the church. It was so many things like that. It was ridiculous to see the amount of offense that was going on. It was crazy in that day and age, but it's not changed any different. All it is is just changed. It's changed a little bit. Now it's more like decaf or calf. Do you like decaffeinated coffee or caffeinated coffee? Listen, I'm offended if you like decaffeinated coffee. There's something wrong with you, something out there. See, I'm offended. Then there's the, the, the truth, and then it's the opinions, opinions versus facts, or the real truth versus my truth. We get offended about everything in this day and age. I think sometimes we even set ourselves up with offensive questions. I think we set ourselves up with offensive questions like this. Do I look fat in these jeans? Men, that is a no-win situation in any way you go. If you say no, it's you're lying to me. If you say yes, well, you're dead. You know, there's no, no, but we set ourselves up with offensive questions. Maybe sometimes you're wait, waiting for that. You're patiently but hurrying up waiting for that parking spot. And you're like, oh, this is mine. Thank you, Jesus. You shined on me. That parking spot. Hallelujah. And somebody whips in. You're like, mm, let me get out and get them. You get offended because they got that parking spot. It's almost like people in this day and age is trying to be offensive. 
It's almost like we, we're setting it up. It's almost like I was asking my wife and, and we were talking about different things, statements that she's heard that's been offensive. And somebody, she said, one of the statements I've heard before is like, are you pregnant? I'm like, don't ask me that question. This is my winter weight. Don't judge me. How dare you? I'm offended that you even thought that. I hear my daughter say sometimes, she'll say, oh, they left me unopened and unread. How dare they? I'm offended. I don't even know what that means. But here's what I do know. If I text you and I see the little bubbles and then they go away, I'm offended. Because I'm trying to figure out what are they going to say to me? Now you pulled back what you're going to say to me? You, oh, how rude of you. I'm offended at you. Right? We look at all these different things that we, we carry almost a burden, almost a, a badge of offense in our life. Listen, this is a true story. Just not too long ago, about a month ago, I'm coming through the, I, I may or may not have been speeding. I'm not really sure. I don't want to admit it. And I may or may not ran a yellow, almost red light, more red than yellow. And, and I almost hit a curb, the middle median curb. Well, do you know it's not painted yellow? I'm offended. If it had been painted yellow, I would have seen it and could have missed it. I'm offended. And then the Geico app, how dare it? It was like, you can do better at your driving. Shut up, you little weasel. I'll run over you. I'm offended. Then the other day, I'm like, y'all can't paint that yellow, but I see y'all out here painting these bicycle signs. I don't ride a bike. I don't care. I'm offended. Paint it yellow so I won't run over it, right? These are extremes, but this is how we function in life. We get offended about everything. And the sad thing about it is Christian people are some of the worst to get offended. Now I just offended you. Don't answer it out loud, but on a scale of one to 10, one being I'm very, I, I'm easily offended and 10 being, I don't really, I'm not very offended at all. On a scale of one to 10, where do you set in your life? Ask your heart, ask your mind, where do I set on a scale of one to 10? Where am I at? You didn't have to answer out loud, but thank you so much for the encouragement. If I can be honest with you, I think that I, I'm about a six. I, I've started figuring out how to not be so offended. But here's the thing. Don't test me because I'll get offended. <laughs> We're getting there, right? So what I can remember, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this to us. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's you, that's me. The new creation has come. The old has gone. You are no longer an earthly man. You're no longer the sinful nature man. You're, the old has gone and the new is here. So today I want to spend our few minutes together and I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about number one is this, what being offended can do to you. What a being offended can do to you. And then I want to come back and close it out. We're talking about what being unoffended will do for you. It's two different things. What being offended will do to you and what being unoffended will do for you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity today. We thank you to break your word, to open your word. Lord, I pray right now, give us ears. Give our hearts open. Let us change. Let us be more like you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Offended, what offended can do to you, because there is a thing that it can do to you. In Matthew chapter 24, the disciples are hanging out with Jesus, and they ask Jesus, they say, hey, what are the signs for you to come back? What are the last days? What do we need to be looking for? And Jesus was very specific, and he said to them, these are some of the things you can do. People will show up and claim to be the Messiah. You're going to see that. People are going claim to claim to be the Messiah, and they will be deceived. We can see that in our day now. So many different people claim to be the Messiah, the way to heaven. But here's what we know. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Amen? He's the only way. 
As Jesus continues answering this question for them, he says this. He says, there will be wars and rumor of wars. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines and earthquakes. Here you got to do, just turn on your news station. We got wars happening all over the place. He said, these are the signs. This is what's coming. There's wars. There's a happening all Just a three, four days ago, 5.1 earthquake in Oklahoma, right? Just turn on. These are some of the signs that are coming. Then Jesus continues to tell them this. What is a sign of the time to come is this. He says, you will be persecuted and even put to death. People will hate you because of my name. Listen, we can walk out of here right now. I know I've heard stories of people right here in the great state of Texas of them talking about Jesus on their job and getting called into the office to say, don't talk about Jesus. I've heard kids being pulled in from their principal and saying, hey, don't talk about Jesus. I've heard of all that stuff happening. That very thing is happening. The most offensive name is Jesus. You could be in any other religion and do whatever you want to do, and it's not a problem at all. But you may mention the name of Jesus. So he told us here, you're going to be hated. So why are we surprised when we are? We get offended because we carry the offense. But here's where I want us to pick up at. I want us to pick up in Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, verse 10 is where we're going to start at. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. The King James Version says, be offended. And will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So I want you to notice today there's a progression that happens. There's a progression when we're looking about offense. When you become an offended person, when you take on offense, look at this. It says that people will turn away from their faith. They will be offended. You will turn away from your faith. After you turn away from your faith and you're offended, the next step that happens is betrayal. Betrayal will begin to set up inside of you. After betrayal happens, hatred begins to rise up against you, rise up inside of you. Have you ever thought about somebody who's betrayed you and you grit your teeth when you say their name? Or, or you think about like poking them in the eyes or something? like that, right? So you, hatred sets up. And then, then after that, deception follows. It's a progression. When we take on offense, a progression happens in a believer's life. That's what happens to us. We turn away from our faith because we're offended. It, betrayal begins, hatred begins, and deception starts. Then it says, then the love of most will grow cold. And what happens when the love of most grows cold, when your love for people grow cold, you become selfish. You become inward. That's what you look at. You look at yourself. That's what sets in. It also says here that wickedness or sin will increase because of the progression of the offense. People's love are going to grow cold. And it all started with offense. It all came from being offended and I want you to realize with me, and I want you to pay attention to this scripture with me. He's not talking about to the world. He's talking to us as believers. He's talking to us as Christians because the world isn't turning away from their faith. They have no faith. They live like the father, their father, which is the devil. So we are the ones he's talking to because he also says, if you'll stand firm, they, those will be saved. So he's talking to you and he's talking to me. He's not talking to the world. So we've got to pay attention to what he's saying in Matthew 24. If we take offense in our lives, it's going to set up this progression in our lives. See, I'm saying being offended and remaining in offense is a very dangerous place for us as believers. An offended heart is a breeding ground for deception. I want you to hear that again. A, an offended heart is a breeding ground for deception. See, the problem is deception, it's deceiving. 
See, see, a person who is offended and who is deceived, they will believe they, were, they are right even if they are wrong. That's how deception works. That's how the devil comes in to work to us. That's what he tries to do. He tries to deceive us. And it tells us that then the wickedness or the influence of this world sets in and love grows cold. Have you ever said this or have you ever heard it say, the world treats me better than the, the Christians do? Don't raise your hand. I've heard that. The world treats me better than the Christians do. Why? Because our expectation on the world should be down here because they do what their father is. But for some reason, we put the expectation of Christians way up here. And the problem with that is we're putting us, ourselves on a pedestal that none of us can live up to. So then we get offended when things happen. It's because love has been deceived by offense. This is what offense, offense does to you. It will have you question your faith. I didn't make that up. It's right there in the word. It will have you question your faith. It will have, then betrayal will follow. Betray will have, that word betrayal, let me break down just for a second. That word betrayal actually means right there, when a person seeks his own benefit or protection at the expense of one he has a relationship with. That's what that word betrayal means right there. You're protecting yourself. You become guarded. Anybody in here, you ever been betrayed? And so immediately what you do is you put up a fence, you put up a guard, you stand away, you hold people out, you protect yourself. I've done that very thing because I don't want to be hurt again. But when I look at Proverbs verse eight, chapter 18, verse 19, it says this, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like, a, like the bars of a castle. See, it's a progression that sets up in our life. This is what happens. Once you begin to fortify yourself, and once you begin to fortify yourself, you become internal. Because when you're captivated, when you build a castle, you're inside the castle, right? Nothing can get out. You are not out there mingling with anybody. You're not there hearing anything. You've built a fortress around yourself because you become offended, so you're protecting yourself. So then thoughts and imaginations begin happening to you. They begin taking over your mind and you start hearing things in your mind and you probably start saying things. I've done this very thing of everybody, no one, no one knows, no one cares about me. Oh, everybody knows what I did now. Now everybody thinks about that. No one cares. I'm useless. What they said must be true. All those voices begin speaking in your head when offense takes root in your life. It begins taking root and taking place. Oh, the church doesn't care about me. People in the church don't care about me. God doesn't care about me because if he cared about me, he wouldn't have let that happen. Those are what the words of offense, that's the words of offense that's set up in your life. Those are the things you begin to hearing. But see, it's all about the progression. Offense, betrayal, hatred, deception, lovelessness. That's how it sets up. He warned us about this. This is what offense can do to you. But I want to spend the next few minutes, instead of we've identified what offense can do to you, but I want, to, I want to identify what being unoffended can do for us. That's where I want to walk. I so many times we worry about the sin and not get closer to him. We worry about not doing this sin, but if I just get closer to him, then that, that sin would be in my rearview mirror instead of my windshield. Amen. So that's what I want to do today. Instead of worrying about the offense... Now, i got to pay attention because the devil will try to sneak that one in. I want to pay attention to what he told me, how I can walk unoffended. 
So this is what unoffended will do for you. Number one, unoffended people love and have healthy relationships. Unoffended people love and have healthy relationships. This is what it will do for you. It will make you love and have a healthy relationship. First Peter 4 says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. He didn't say a couple. He didn't say 50-50. He said a multitude of sins. For the love of everything, some of you need to get out of chaos. You love the drama. Some of you could win an Emmy right now or Oscar, whatever that thing is. Don't point at each other. That's rude. But that's the truth. Y'all love chaos. You love drama. But if you're living in that, you don't have love for people, and you're definitely not living in healthy relationships. See, a deep love never nitpicks others. Don't raise your hand and don't point at anybody because that's rude. But do you ever find yourself needing a common enemy? Do you find yourself needing somebody to be against? Do you find yourself needing to point out somebody else's flaws? See, the reason we do that a lot of times is to build our own self up or it's to, to deflect from our own issues. When you point out everything everyone is doing, then you're lacking love. If you love deeply, then you want the best for everyone because it covers a multitude of sins. Maybe I could phrase it like this and not to be, to be too far off. Maybe I could phrase it like this. It will cover a multitude of offenses. There will always be issues, but you and I must choose not to get offended. Colossians chapter three, verse 13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We have to realize we cannot be in communion with God and be in confrontation with his children. Some of you need to understand that. Some of you are trying to live, you're you trying to hang on to some stuff. But if you're mad at God's children, get mad at my kids. We're going to throw down. Going to get ugly, right? I'm going to protect mine. Why are we doing that in the body of Christ? Why do we stay offended at one another in the body of Christ? You can't walk in love and have healthy relationships if you continue to be offended by one another. Matthew chapter 5 verse 22 says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. No, I didn't say it. That's a red, white, a red writing on white paper, so y'all just get mad at that, right? Or if you got your phone, however it is. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Come, then come offer your gift. You can't stay angry with someone and say, I forgive you, but I'm gonna stay angry with you. It's impossible. I didn't say it, he said it. Be mad at Jesus. That's who you gotta deal with, not me. I can't give my offering to God and be offended by his creation. See, the word is telling us how to keep offense from being rooted in our lives. Love covers a multitude of sins. Number two, unoffended people trust God and take the high road. 
Unoffended people trust God and they take the high road. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, it is as far as it depends on God, not as far as it depends on Jesus, not as far as it depends on the Holy Spirit, not as far as it depends on your preacher or the church you attend. It said who? You, not me. It depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. See, here's the thing. You can either take vengeance yourself or let God fight your battles, but you can't do both. You got to choose. Either you take the vengeance or let God fight your battles. I read a statement, and I wish I could be this smart, and I wish I could, I could, I would call it my own. I was going to, but I figured everybody else saw it when it was posted. But I love this statement, and I'm going to say this statement, then I'm going to break it down for just a minute, what it's saying to me. And hopefully it says something to you. It, the statement is this, killing Goliath will give you applause, but forgiving Saul will reveal the fruit of your heart. Amen. I'm going to say it one more time. Killing Goliath will give you applause. But forgiving Saul will reveal the fruit of your heart. What this statement is saying to me is people will rally around you. People will rally around me. Oh, you know what? Oh, yeah, man, you deserve that. Good job telling them off. Woo! I'm so good. Woo, man, you deserve cussing them out. They were really mean to you. Oh, you, you, oh, man, you, oh, you, they offended you. That's right. They hurt you. They hurt your feelings. Oh, keep on, man. You have the right, boy. You should have just lit them up. Oh, oh, come on. Speak your mind. Oh, yeah. Come on. Give it to them. Put that mean tweet on there. Come on. Let's do it. I'm being absurd, but this is really what it looks like. This is really how it is. Oh, come on. We're looking for people to give us applause because we want people to find solace in. But that's not what the scripture just told us. See, David very well could have killed Saul at any point in time because he was ordained king. But instead, he kept his hands off of him and let, let God deal with Saul. And by him letting God, by David letting, allowing God to deal with Saul, what he just did was walked into his kingship and he walked into his purpose. Some of you keep trying to take vengeance on people and you need to get away from people applauding you. Go get them, get them, get them, attack them. Oh, woohoo, you deserve it. You might, but do you really? You need to let God take your vengeance and be the person who takes care of situations for you. It's not popular. That's letting God deal with it's not popular. I don't know about you, but I want instant gratification. If I pull up and they take more than 10 seconds to get my hamburger out the window, uh, we have, I'm, I'm crawling through. We're talking. And don't give me no lukewarm coffee from uh, Starbucks. We, we have an issue, right? I want instant gratification in my life. I want the vengeance back. But that's not what it says right here. But the word tells us this a little farther is in Romans chapter 12, verse 20. It says this, on the contrary, why did he have to put that in there? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And I'm reading this because that's how I feel about it. Come on, for real? In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, don't get on the devil's side trying to do this. You get on God's side. That's how you overcome. Do not overcome by, don't, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the way we take the high road as believers and followers of Jesus. When we take the high road, it's easy to operate in peace. It's easy to operate and it's easy to be, to be, be in rest. 
Proverbs 19 and 11 says, a, person yield, a person's wisdom yields patient. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Many times we, we do not allow patience to prevail, but instead we immediately respond to the offense. We don't give people the benefit of the doubt. We allow our feelings to create our response. We allow our feelings and how we feel to create our responses. Many times if our feelings create our response, it's anger or it's bitterness or it's judgment or it's hatred. That's how, that's how we handle that. But that's not what he's called us to do. He's called us to be unoffendable. Psalms 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, who love reading the Bible, and nothing can make them stumble. Have you ever noticed when you get out of your word or you stop praying, things start to get at you a little quicker? I don't know about you, but it does me. I get irritated a little bit more because I'm not, being re I'm not taking on his character. I'm still taking on my character. But if we'll take the high road, staying in his word, he will develop the character inside of us. If you, will, you and I become an unoffendable person, do you know anybody that just can, like, no matter how bad their day is, they can just lay down and go to sleep? I hate those people. I'm offended by them. That's my wife. She, no matter how bad the day is, she just lays down. She's, like, she's gone. I'm like, I'm put this pillow over your head. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me fluff it behind your head. But that's how it is. No matter how bad it is, she'll just go to sleep. She's peace because she's at peace because she has the character of Christ in her. That's what we've got to get inside of us. If you can lay down at nighttime and not all these vengeance going about you and the offensive and how you're going to get back at them, that is peace. You cast your cares on him. The third thing is this. Unoffended people keep the right heart and forgive when it's not easy. It's probably the hardest one for me to try to communicate today. I prayed about it a lot. And let me tell you, I'm not preaching at you. I feel like I need to be sitting in that seat and hearing with you. you. This is your first time to hear this, and I've heard it about seven or eight times by studying this. So the Lord's saying to me, like, here's your sign, buddy. <laughs> be unoffended. At the root of offense, many times, in our hearts, we're dealing with pride. And I can prove it to you. Have you ever said these things to yourself? Who are you to talk to me like that? Who are you to treat me that way? Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? Many times we set ourselves up as the standard keepers. We're the standard keepers. This is how you should act. This is how you should be. And if people don't act or do what we want them to do, we get resentful. We get angry. And then bitterness begins to gain ground inside of us. We go back to the first scriptures. Remember what offense does? Makes you start lacking, lacking, lacking the truth. Then it begins to set up betrayal. Then it begins to set up hatred. And then you begin to get deceived. And when you become deceived, you, you become lovelessness. You start having, you're not loving anymore. You're harsh, you're hatred. You build up walls.
Doesn't that sound familiar in our lives? One night Jesus was sitting with his 12 disciples and it was the last supper and he was hanging out with them and they were all eating and he knew this was going to be his last supper. So he began to tell them, this is my last supper. And as he's sitting there, he, he's having all 12 of these guys who he has spent three years with these guys are sitting around him. And, and he knows that that Judas is sitting there and they're, he's going to betray him. But instead of being offended and, and retaliating at Judas, what did he do? He served Judas. He, he served him a meal. He, he let him partake of what we just took of as the last supper. He just took the bread and he just took the wine. He just took the grape juice. He just had Judas, even his betrayer participated in the last supper with him. Then Jesus decides that he's going to go pray and he goes up and he prays. And, and the prayer that he prayers, prays is this. He says to God, his father, he asked if, if you could take this cup from me, please do it. But the main key I want you to hear from this, he said, your will, not mine be done. That's what Jesus said. See, it's the right heart posture that will keep offense out of our lives. When we pray and say, not my will, but yours be done. When we pray that way, that will keep us in a stance and a posture and it will keep us from getting on the defensive. It will help us be unoffended. Jesus spent day and night, you think about this, he spent three years, day and night, night and day with these guys. He helped them, they were rejected and he made them have hope. They wasn't fed, he was, they were part of miracles, they, had, they helped spread his gospel. They were all part of this. He spent three years for them, he's serving them and him showing them what they need to do and give them a purpose and calling them out where other people would call them uh, not worthy. He said, you're worthy to follow me, come on. Jesus spent three years with them all along knowing that they were going to scatter, all along knowing that they were going to leave him, all along knowing that they were going to abandon him, and all along knowing that they were going to betray him. Jesus took the stance of saying, I'm not going to be offended because it's not my will, not my way. It's yours. He knew Peter was going to deny him he knew Thomas was going to doubt him and he knew Judas was going to betray him. If anybody, if anybody walking this earth ever had the right to be offended, Jesus did. If anyone needed to get vengeance or should had the right to get vengeance, Jesus did. If anyone, anyone, if anyone deserved to be mad and upset, Jesus did. But this is what Jesus said in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus said, forgive them. See, an offended person who can't forgive is a person who has forgotten what they've been forgiven for. See, we don't forgive people because they deserve it, because they don't. We don't forgive people because they deserve it, because they don't. We forgive people because we didn't deserve to be forgiven. That's why. Here's the thing, we can't control the person that offended us. We can only guard our heart and control our response to the offense. Jesus never told us 
It was going to be easy and we were going to be right and things were going to be great. What he did tell us is we had to love. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Listen, it's not easy to become unoffendable. It only comes, it's only because we become more like him and we practice it. Years ago, I went to the gym. Years ago, I, went, I started going to the gym. I know I don't look like an L, but anyway, years ago, I went to the gym and I started working out. And really the, the weight machines, they were kind of bullying me because right when I started out, I was like, toddlers were over there lifting more than I was. I'm like, quit being so mean to me, right? But I had to keep going and I would go four or five, six times a day and I, or a week and I would keep going and I would get better in shape and my resistance would get stronger and I got more reps in and I wasn't so tired. This time I could walk across, I could walk or ride on a bike or, or something like that instead of before I was getting out of breath walking up steps, you know. So I was training myself. I got, got in there, I got going and I started preparing myself. And so going to the gym was easier and I felt better about myself and I was watching what I was eating. But then something happened. We started traveling last year. Year. And, and last year when we started traveling, then I started making excuses. Oh, we're traveling. I can't get to the gym. Like there's no other gym anywhere else in the world I was going, right? I was like, oh, I can't get to the gym. And then I started make, making other excuses. Oh, I just don't want to. <laughs> that was the big excuse. I just don't want to go. And then I started making, well, the donuts and pizza are really good. So I want those, you know? So I started making these excuses and I got out of the habit of going to the gym and, and working out. Well, guess what? I just started going back. And now I just went back. The machines are bullying me again and I'm lifting like a toddler. I'm like, you know, that kind of thing. But I know if I keep on going, it will build a resilience and I will get back to where I was before. That's the same way with becoming unoffendable. It doesn't happen like this. There's not a switch that says, boom, you're not offended anymore. You got to practice and choose not to be offended. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. I'm trying to close her down here. No discipline. And I, this scripture made me go, come on. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Man, what a scripture. There's no switch for being, being unoffended. The Bible actually tells us offense will come. How do you respond to those offenses? It's a, it has to become a choice in your life that I'm going to try and keep exercising being unoffended. The old cliche, uh, water off a duck's back. Not really sure where that came from, but anyway, you got to think about it that direction. I'm not going to let it. I'm going to give grace. Today, as we close, I hope that helped you identify the progression of what happens as, a, as an offended person, what happens in your life as being offended when you get offended, you're starting to lose faith. Betrayal comes, hatred comes, and deception comes. And the devil wants to deceive you, and he wants to deceive me, and it will come. You can't hang on to offense. But even more so, what I hope I heard, you heard today is how to be unoffended. What well, unoffended will do for you, and what unoffended will do for you is it will help you love people and have healthy relationships. It will have you trusting God and taking the high road, even when you probably have the right to take the low road. It will help you keep the right heart and forgive when it's not easy. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute, I've got a couple questions. 
Have you, have you been offended and haven't forgiven? You go, man, I'm just realizing I haven't forgiven someone. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you now. I'm raising my hand. Father, I'm asking right now. I pray over all, all hands going up. Father, I pray that you would give us that spirit of forgiveness inside of us. We would forgive those who have offended us, that we would bring peace to a situation. Father, I pray right now you would, the harm that they've done to these people, the harm they've done to us, the offense, whether, whether it's justified or not, Father, help us forgive them. Next question for you today. <clears throat> Maybe today you've been, if you've been the offender and you need God to give you the strength to ask someone to forgive you. If that's you today, maybe you've been the offender. I wanna see your hands. Father, I pray right now for every hand that's went up. They've been the offender. They're saying, God, I recognize I've been the offender. I pray that this very day, you give them the strength to go and ask for forgiveness for those people they offended, those people they hurt. They don't have to go into long explanations, Lord, but we just go, please forgive us. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And we're not gonna tell them what they did to us, but we're just say, please forgive me. Father, give us that spirit of forgiveness. Last question I have for you today is if you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, and you'd like to accept him as your Lord and Savior today, I want you to lift your hands. You say, I want to put Jesus in my heart. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, will you lift your hand? Is there anybody in this house that says, I want to accept Jesus? There's one. Is there anyone else that says, I want to accept Jesus? Amen. There's two. Amen. Last call for you. It's eternity. You didn't come here by accident. There's three. You didn't come here by accident. The Holy Spirit says he draws all men to him. So, Father, I pray right now. Let me tell you guys, you, the ones who lifted your hands, come on, give them a hand for being brave, lifting their hands today. We've all said a sinner's prayer. We have you lift your hands because we want you to say, yes, yes, I need Jesus. And we've all lifted our hands or gone to an altar, prayed in our car. We've all repented. So you're belonging to a family of God. So we're all going to pray together right now. So church family, let's pray for them right now. Let's say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart, into my life. Please forgive me of all my sins and all my ways. I repent and I ask you to be the Lord and Savior of my life forever, ever. Amen. Come on, put, it, put your hands together again. We are so happy that you joined us today. Here at Compassion, we value family, which means we value you. If there's any way that we can be praying for you and believing with you for something, please make sure that you let us know. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you here next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website, compassion.cc. 